everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode here of the K2 Podcast. Today is Monday, May 25th. Um, so got uh, something, I guess, pretty cool lined up for you this evening. Uh, what we're going to do is talk about a few stories and a few headlines and uh, some things that maybe should have been in the news that didn't pop up in the news during the whole pandemic. Because uh, sometimes when anything that's uh, really, uh, I guess anything that kind of takes over something like uh, the coronavirus has, uh, take just completely takes over the media by storm. And it seems like that's the only thing that we hear of or whatever seems to be the main topic or the main issue at hand. That's what we tend to uh, hear uh, hear about the most. So I picked a few stories uh, that I wanted to cover, kind of just talk about a little bit and some things that you may have missed uh, and um, see what you think. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll get right into our first show tonight. So our first uh, story, excuse me. Uh, so for the first story tonight, uh, SpaceX, if you're not familiar with SpaceX, that is the um, company uh, owned by uh, CEO Elon Musk, who is also the CEO of Tesla. Um, so basically, uh, this SpaceX company is going to be launching uh, into uh, the outer space there, and they're going to be going to the International Space Station. Um, so this particular launch is scheduled to go on Wednesday, uh, which is the 27th. So this month, May 27th, and I believe they're scheduled to launch at 43. 4:32 p.m. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, they're going to be launching from the Kennedy Space Center from apparently Launch Pad 39A. Now, I really wasn't familiar with what Launch Pad 39A was, but apparently that's the same Launch Pad that Apollo 11 launched from, um, which uh, is the mission that sent humans to the moon. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, also, the really cool part about this particular mission is this is the first time humans will be sent into orbit from within the United States since 2011. So basically, pretty much 10 years um, that we've sent humans uh, to space from uh, the United States, which I found to be very interesting because, um, you know, with the way technology is going um, and with everything that you see happening, it's just kind of interesting that, of all things, our space program seems to be the one that's lacking the most, you know, so I found that to be kind of crazy that, you know, we're considered one of the most powerful countries in the world, and our space program uh, has really lacked, so it's good to see that SpaceX is getting out there and going to you know, send some people into orbit, some actual humans, and not just some satellite that, you know, so I just thought that was really cool. Um, another very interesting part uh, that I, I found to be really cool is that the Dragon spacecraft, which they're going to be using, uh, is pretty much one of its kind. Like, it, there's no other spacecraft like it. Uh, this particular spacecraft can carry up to seven people, uh, but I believe for this particular mission, they're only going to be sending two astronauts, which I have pictured uh, on the screen there. You can see both of those guys. Uh, but not only is this particular spacecraft uh, capable of 
sending humans. It's also capable of sending equipment to the International Space Station and also bringing equipment back to Earth with it. Uh, so that's something that you haven't really seen before uh, with any kind of uh, spacecraft. Uh, so it's quite interesting to see that that that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the two astronauts' names are Doug Hurley and Bob Bankin. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not sure if that's his actual name. But both uh, uh, both of these particular a astronauts have delivered um, parts or pieces to the International Space Station in previous past missions. So they have a little bit of experience. So I guess you could say this isn't their uh, first rodeo. Um now, also with the spaceship, the crew, the Dragon spacecraft, it's capable of staying in orbit for at least 210 days. But this particular mission uh, will launch with the two astronauts on board, uh, depart this, what they're going to go to the International Space Station, depart the uh, space station, and they re-enter Earth's atmosphere. Uh, apparently, they're going to be landing in the ocean, from my understanding, just off the Florida coast, and then the crew will be picked up at sea by SpaceX's um, team. Uh, now, you can watch this uh, launch. Apparently, they're going to be doing a live coverage, um, and I believe it's going to be hosted by ABC News and National Geographic beginning at 3 p.m. They're scheduled to launch at like 4.30, but the coverage begins at 3 p.m. on May 27th, so that's this Wednesday. You can check the link in the description below, and that link will actually tell you. Uh, you can actually tune into that link and watch the launch. Uh, so I think that'll be something pretty exciting to look forward to, something that um, we haven't seen in quite a while as a country uh, is anybody sending humans to space. So I'm looking uh, really, really cool. And uh, Cosmos in the chat says Discovery Channel has exclusive broadcasts. Yeah, that link is going to – I have a link uh, in the description below, so you'll be able to check that out. Um, so uh, our next story is kind of one that you – kind of would see on the uh what is it the grocery store self checkout line or or not even the self checkout just like when you're going through the grocery store the little tabloid section the the crazy stories you see like uh what do you call it like you'll see one of those stories that say mermaid has washed up on the beach or uh, you 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 name it you've seen all these crazy I wouldn't even call them conspiracy theories but just wild tabloid stories that most of the time have no uh, truth to them whatsoever. However, on my news feed, when you think of tabloids, like I said, I usually, I always, I always, when I thought of tabloids, I always thought of them as something that you, like I said, you see at the grocery store, but now they're showing up in your uh, social media timelines, in your email. It's almost impossible to escape them. And what's really interesting about it is it almost, one, it muddies the water up. I don't know if that's the right word, but it muds the water up of what's real and what's not. And it kind of just gets everything convoluted when it's just right there in your face. Before, like I say, when you go to the, the grocery store, you have an option whether to uh, pick up that paper or not. But when you're scrolling through your social media accounts or you're checking your email and it's right there in your face 24-7, um, it really makes things difficult. 
But recently there's an article that popped up on my social media that I'd been seeing quite a bit of. It wasn't just like one random story. It was like really pushed out there. Um, but the article was claiming that there was evidence found of a parallel universe. Now, for me, uh, this was something kind of exciting because I've always liked the, like I was talking about the SpaceX story. I've always liked the thought of space and uh, it's something that we know very little about. Um, we, of course, we do have a, a pretty extensive space program, but we don't quite know um, as much as you would think that we know about space, you know? So they're always discovering new planets, new moons, stuff like that. So it was quite interesting to see, oh, wow, evidence of a parallel universe. I'm excited about this. It got me pumped up, something that I really wanted to look into. Um, so I was really intrigued by this story. But I dug a little deeper because, you know, you ha it is something that you have to look into. It's something you have to investigate you know like i said when you get excited by it but apparently there was a, a team of scientists i believe they come from uh, they're out of a college from hawaii i forget the exact college that they came from but apparently the story goes that they sent this antenna in our antarctica across the ice that was attached to a couple weather balloons and the weather balloons flew across the ice and was detecting what they were looking for was something called high energy particles, which may, I, if I'm not mistaken, could just be simplified into something that's called radio waves. Um, so they're searching for these so-called radio waves uh, as they go across the ice. Now they sent this uh, particular uh, antenna out. I believe the antenna is called Anita. That was like an acronym uh, for for the antenna. I forget what the exact acronym is, but they would send this antenna across the ice. Now they sent it out one time and they found absolutely nothing. Then um, a year later, I believe there's a year interval in each time that they sent out the antenna, but the second time that they sent out the antenna, also they found nothing. Well, the third time they sent it out, they heard a few noises on there, but kind of just dismiss it as simply just noises. They didn't think any anything of it. Ooh, excuse me. So they didn't think anything of the noises, but they decided to go back and look at the data from the third test or the third uh, experiment when they sent this antenna out. Well, upon further review, they noticed that there were some high energy particles that was coming up and from the ice in, in Antarctica. So when they noticed that the ice or that these signals were coming up, they're trying to just figure out, well, why are we getting these signals? We can't figure out what this is. Well, one of the scientists who was in charge of the uh, whole experiment basically said, well, this could be a parallel universe. Um, that was just something that he offered as a plausible exp explanation. He wasn't saying for certain that, yes, this is a, a parallel universe. Um, but it was something that he offered up as a possible explanation. But there's also a bunch of other explanations that have come out uh, through this whole thing as well. And another interesting portion of this story, because like I said, I was intrigued by it. And I was like, if this is real, they're using the words NASA. You know, that's going to get your attention when it says NASA scientists have uh, 
discovered a parallel universe. So you're going to perk up a little bit and think, oh, wow, NASA's on to something. That's got, you know, so that's what got me involved in it and really wanting to look at it. Um, but according to the guy who was the principal investigator of the whole whole um, experiment said that this stories that he's been seeing is actually some unfortunate tabloid journalism. So this is where he's saying, basically, this was just some tabloid, like a publicity stunt for clicks and views. And it was quite interesting because I started to research this. And as I researched the story, I traced all the stories back to one source which was a, a website called newscientist.com. I have that linked in the description uh, below as well. You can click on that link. But I clicked on that link to kind of find out, because this is where the kind, I won't say the original story came from, but when the all this information kind of resurfaced, that was the article that everybody was taking the information from. So when I looked at this particular article i noticed there was a paywall for it so what that means like it was a paywalled website so what that means is if you're ever a member of the new york times or there's several websites where they'll let you read a paragraph but in order to read the rest you have to pay or subscribe to the website in order to view the whole content so i found that to be already kind of silly so it's almost like they're basically getting you to pay uh for this information and the guy who, and just to get back to the guy who was leading the investigation uh said that there's nothing that necessarily makes it a, makes uh what we found is a detection of a parallel universe um so and all and like i said he said they also they just made some things up about myself and the experiment so he's saying look not only are they misquoting me? They're saying, you know, they're making up stuff about my own experiment that I conducted, that I started to, you know, I put the information together and they're misquoting me and telling me what, you know, they're just making stuff up. Um, a couple of the other scientists jumped in on the matter. I'll read a couple of um, quotes that I found on, on the whole parallel universe situation. But it says, jumping straight to parallel universes is a little over the top. And there are, are less mind-boggling theories that could explain what Anita, which was the antenna, has detected. There are a number of potential candidate particles that could account for the results from Anita, says Grant. Lewis, an astrophysicist at the University of Sydney. So he's basically just saying there's a number of reasons and explanations for why this whole thing occurred. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's some kind of parallel universe out there. So if you do are interested in more about this story, I mean, it just kind of got me disappointed. I don't know if you've particularly seen this story pop up in your time feed or, or in your uh, timeline at all or on your news feed, I guess it's called. If you see any of that or you may have seen this particular story pop up, uh, I do have links down in the description where you can investigate it a little bit more um, and kind of uh, do your own research on it. Um, but moving forward is probably one of the more important stories of the night. So the, the, and the reason this is, I, this is pretty important because when you think about, we're shifting gears here from parallel universes, but the government recently has been under fire, uh, because there was a proposal that recently went to the Senate, um, 
that was ultimately rejected. Uh, this uh, proposal is called the Widen Danes Amendment, um, and this is a, an amendment for which was part of the whole Patriot Act, uh, where uh, people, the government could s not spy on you, but basically. Well, I don't know. Some people would say spy on you. But apparently if there was suspicion of terrorism or there was uh, were like any kind of net threat to the national security, the, the United States government would enact the Patriot Act to uh, investigate and kind of dig deeper into one's browsing history and their Internet data and their ultimate or I guess their their foot footprint. Um, so the interesting part about this story is it was rejected by one vote um and the government basically what i'm trying to get at the government's looking at your web browsing history and they're able to do this uh without any kind of warrant or uh any kind of I don't, I don't want to say due process, but they're basically able to spy on Americans and look at your, your data, anything that you're searching, um, everything that you search for, um, think of, just think about everything you've put into a Google search. Is that something you would want the government to know? Um, now if you're like many people, you may say, well, I don't care, you know, what who cares what the government uh it, what the government looks for if i who cares i don't search for anything crazy um so i don't care if the government looks at my search history or not um so it doesn't really bother me or, at all if they if they if they search it so some people have that thing but when they begin to maybe make a profit from it uh then would you care? Um, not saying that you would, but when it's your data, you're not getting any of that money. You're not getting any cut. So if they're selling off this information um, and making a profit at your expense or your data, I mean, that seems kind of uh, wrong to me. Um, but you can almost think of like, some people would say Google searches and your internet history is like some that some people would would say that's like their deepest and darkest secrets stuff that they don't particularly want to get out. You know, maybe you have a medical condition and you're searching, you know, some of the side effects from that medical condition, or maybe you're trying to find ways of like you're going through some really depressing times and that could be something that could be used against you or later down the road. Um, so regardless of what that search history is, some people have compared it to like a confessional at a church where you, you know, your search history, you go in and it should be, it's private. It's a one-on-one -on -one setting with like, like a confessional, you know? So that's how some people have viewed the data, uh, or review or have described the whole situation. Um, but it also gives you like a glimpse into someone's love life, who their enemies could be. Um, it could go as far as saying your weekly meal plans. Like if you're just trying to like meal prep and stuff like that, the government can know when you eat, what you eat, what you're buying, when you're buying it. I mean, it just, it's like an invasion of privacy. Now, some people say, Hey, it's so that's silly. Who cares? It's simple data. Like who cares? Like who cares if they know what I eat? Maybe you don't care. Um, but where do you draw the line? You know, it's just kind of interesting to see that. They can just basically know every you as a person inside and out and some things you may or may not want them to know. Um, but you can, 
another thing that you want to I want to bring into question is there's a what people have been saying about this whole this whole thing is that it violates the Fourth Amendment. Um, now, if you're not familiar with the Fourth Amendment, it just guarantees Americans the right to be secure in their person, their houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures. And then it lays out the requirements for the government to get a warrant um, if they have to. Uh, so basically, this particular amendment, which is called the Wyden Danes Amendment, and this is supposed to be an amendment to the Patriot, Patriot Act. And like I said, it was denied uh, when it went uh when it went through the Senate. Um, now, many of the people uh, are saying that the amendment, this particular amendment is being infringed upon. And there, and of course, with the whole coronavirus thing, there's a lot of what people are saying. Rights are being like certain constitutional rights and things like that are being amended on. This kind of could be another one that's kind of slipping under the radar because a lot of what you see now is people saying that the lockdown or telling me what I can and can't buy or what I can and can't do with my body is unconstitutional. You're just seeing all kinds of different arguments surrounding this whole coronavirus. But this particular one is another one that maybe have slid under the radar that you maybe didn't notice. But it's saying that Many people are saying that this amendment is being infringed upon or at least has lost some of its effect. Uh, also, one study uh, that I found showed about 63% of Americans do not think it's possible to go about their daily lives without the government entities collecting data about them. Uh, this was according to the Pew Research Center, uh, and also an 84% say they feel, feel li very little or no control over the data collected by the government. So that's kind of concerning because ultimately for me, and if, just think if you flip the tables real quick because the government can look at everybody else's data, but we don't get to look at the government's data, and I guess some of it rightly so when it comes to national security and things like that, but if we're talking about the individual person you don't always get to check, you know, you don't get to see that kind of stuff. And the, another interesting point from this is some of the most powerful companies in tech, uh, including like Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft had lined up behind this whole, uh, behind the Wyden and Danes amendment, which really doesn't seem, which is kind of, um, interesting that they would do that. I'm not really sure, uh, where that comes from because they collect they're probably one of the largest collectors of data there is out there um but uh another guy spoke uh spoke for the amendment um his name was ferris bean um who's a policy manager at mozilla if you're not familiar with mozilla it's basically a browser a web browser kind of like um uh, Internet Explorer or Google Chrome, uh, but there's also Mozilla. So this guy, Ferris Veen, uh, said, um, he says, Americans deserve the strong protections for their online activities provided by the proposed amendment. If it would have made clear that the government needs a warrant for browsing and search history, which may provide an intimate portrait of our health, our finances, and our daily lives. So the Justice Department did not respond to any requests for comments. Um, so no matter, uh, so like everybody's reached out. I've tried even sending them an email to no prevail. Um, so they didn't respond to any comments. But they did say uh, during a congressional hearing that the, 
the broad law of this whole thing was supposed to be used and be helpful towards terrorism investigations, not to spy on American people. But it doesn't say anything specifically to stop them from doing that. So one leads to believe like, yeah, okay, the broad picture is to stop terrorism, but you're leaving that opening to do what you will without having any warrant or any probable cause or any of that necessarily. They can just do it at their will or their leisure. Maybe it's somebody they don't like. Maybe you're going to attempt to run for public office one day. Uh, maybe you're uh, who knows what the what your future may hold? Anything that you have searched may could come back to haunt you and could be leaked, or the government could use to their advantage, or bring it up and use it against you in the court of law one day. Um, like I said, the whole idea behind the Patriot Act uh, was supposedly supposed to be to be used in terrorism investigations, um, and that was the intent. Um, but the government or the prosecutors could access your internet history. Uh, but it says that they do; they are able to access your internet history, but they're supposed to pass, pass one hurdle before viewing someone's internet history. So before the Justice Department or the government can demand records from a business such as Google, it must first obtain an order from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And it's a, apparently it's a secretive court made up of federal judges from around the country. So they have to basically, they're saying, even though they don't need a warrant, they still have to go through this uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Now, I don't know if that pertains specifically to the terrorism aspects of it because it has the word foreign intelligence, intelligence surveillance court, and it says it's a secretive court. So there's not a whole lot of information on on the court itself. Um, but anyway, Wyden and Danes, the guys who are making the amendment, uh, said in separate statements on Thursday that they plan to keep pressing this, uh, pressing this amendment uh, to Section 215 of the Patriot Act. Wyden also said a large bipartisan majority of 59 senators actually supported this amendment. Um, so he also goes on to say, I'm confident that if we were, if it were to come up again, the important protections of American rights would pass, he said. So the guy goes on to say they do think they're going to introduce it again. They're going to put it back in there, and they think it's going to pass the second time, which I would like to see it. Um, you know, Americans shouldn't be being spied on for whatever the reason. You know, nobody sh your, your data and your search history and all of that stuff shouldn't be at the government's leisure to just basically use at their will. Um, so that's uh, it for that story. If you want to read up or more on that one, I do have the link in the description on that one as well. Um, another interesting take. Now, this one has kind of surfaced a little bit up on the news, but it hasn't got the full coverage that you know I feel that it deserves. Um, it's a little bit of an unsettling story, but apparently millions of pounds of fresh food is being destroyed by farmers uh, as a result of business loss during the closure and the lockdowns. Now, when I first saw this, I'm thinking, well, everybody, the grocery stores are practically empty. What do you mean that, you know, we're, that they, they're having to dump food. You got, uh, the food bank lines are backed up around the building. You know, I don't understand why can't they, how are, how is it that they're having to destroy all of this food? Well, come to find out one, it's about, 
when it comes to the food banks, they just don't have the space for it as far as like for their cold products, like refrigerators and stuff. It's very expensive to keep cool and frozen items. Um, that takes a lot of money and those, a lot of those food banks and things just don't have the space or the refrigerator space for it. Um, and then also you think about schools uh, being closed down. So a lot of like food and things that would be going to the schools has also affected it. Um, so pretty much the supply chains across the country are, are, are somewhat being broken. Now we are starting to see many states kind of open back up and things are starting to get progressively better. I'd like to think, I hope, I mean, I don't know, but I, hopefully this, all the food and everything that our, or our, uh, or our, our supply chain and our foods will get kind of restored and everything will kind of get back to normal and people won't be having to, uh, destroy their, their products. But from an article, I took a little bit of snippet that said, um, they're having to dump thousands of gallons of fresh milk, um, which is interesting. Um, an Idaho farmer uh, apparently had to do dig huge ditches to bury one million pounds of onions. He uh, he goes on, and I was thinking onions. What's the big deal with onions? Well, he goes on and says the amount of waste is staggering. The nation's largest dairy uh, cooperative Dairy Farmers of America estimates that farmers are dumping as many as 3.7 million gallons of milk each day. A single chicken processor is smashing 750,000 unhatched eggs the, each week. And then if, when it comes going back to the onions, the guy said, well, when you think about restaurants that have closed down, that's a huge huge industry that when you think of things like onion rings and stuff or just burgers with onions or steaks and stuff like that onions as a whole is not being widely purchased right now so they're having to get rid of a lot of this stuff but many farmers are saying that they ha are donating what they can to surplus food banks and meals on wheels programs which have been overwhelmed with demand like i was saying but there's only so much food that the charities with limited numbers of refrigerators and volunteers can absorb um so it's kind of it's it's kind of a wide scale issue, but from what I've gathered, it looks like dairy fam dairy farmers are actually taking the biggest hit. The dairy industry, where cows, because you know with cows they have to be milked multiple times a day, um, regardless of whether there are buyers for this milk or not. You have to milk those cows. Now, typically you would have a buyer buyer for this milk, and it's just cranking out. But now they're having to milk these cows, just as part of the the dairy process just to help the cows out uh they have to get them get them milked so a lot of that's just going to waste um and also dairy farmers are grappling with low prices and sudden drop in demand from the lockdown um and like i said they're dumping as many as 3.7 million gallons of milk every day and this goes back to the public schools where a lot of these kids are drinking the milk at schools and things like that. Now, on a positive note, um, our president gets a lot of flack, but he did recently announce a $19 billion relief program called the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. This 
this is a program that's going to provide 16 billion in payments to farmers and ranchers and 3 billion in purchases of fresh produce dairy products and meat to be distributed at food food banks uh, the program follows a different aid packer package than the one of the department of agriculture implemented for farmers hit by trade war tariffs um, so kind of an interesting story, uh, something that I didn't think was getting a lot of attention. Uh, I've also linked uh, this story um, in the description below, and you can do more research on it for yourself. Um, but the next thing we got up is another surprising one is uh, endangered animals are actually facing bigger threats right now. Um because of the lockdowns, uh, they've led to a huge, there's been a huge decline in wildlife conservation funding and higher rates of poaching. Um, you have these animals like these uh, white rhinos who are actually on the verge of extinction, but they're actually on the rise. But there's a chance that all the progress made could actually be lost because with the, in Africa, typically right now, especially in the summer months and things, the tourism would be booming. Um, but since the coronavirus uh, pandemic has put a halt on wildlife tourism, um, which also provides funding and protection for the conservation efforts, poachers are finding it easier to hunt endangered species. So these animals are not just protected by like rangers and stuff, but they're also protected by tourist presence, just tourists actually being out there. And uh, the poachers typically don't want to be spotted or seen. So if there's tourists out there and people out in public, it kind of deters people from being out there and kind of being sneaky and shooting these animals down. Um, now, A large portion, I will say, a large portion of the funding for wildlife comes directly from the tourism. Um, so this is just another side effect of the coronavirus. I just kind of wanted to bring some attention to the um, animals that, you know, are, are facing some hard times. Uh, because when you think about the coronavirus lockdown, many people just think it pertains to humans. Well, it also is affecting the animals. Um, it's affecting uh, the food supply. It seems to be a much larger issue at hand. So we'll just see how that plays out. Like I said, I'm really hoping that everything's going to start coming together and starting to get better um, with the summer here. I know the weather was really nice today. I got a chance to spend some time with my daughter. We went outside and had a good time. Um, so hopefully you got the opportunity to go out as well. Um but moving on to our next story, this kind of ties into what we're kind of talking about right now with the uh, endangered animal is mating pandas. So these two um, Hong Kong zoo pandas, uh, so they're from the zoo in Hong Kong, uh, actually mated for the first time in over a decade, um, making it an important moment for the species. Um, so loving you know, love in the time of coronavirus, I guess, is possible. You see it here with the uh, two uh, adorable pandas. Um, now, the pandas' names are Ying Ying and Lele. Uh, so, uh, this is kind of cool. It gives them an opportunity to begin reproducing because apparently there's a lot of obstacles and struggles with the uh, or with the pandas mating. Um, but some people have chalked it up. We were talking about some of the reasons why the lockdown shouldn't necessarily exist well some people saying well in the zoo these pandas didn't really they struggled mating because all of the people that were coming in 
Uh, maybe the the male panda said, I don't want these people seeing my junk. You know, I don't want them seeing me do my business. So they've made it uncomfortable where with all the people spectating them around the clock, essentially, that it made it hard for them to mate. Uh, but that's just speculation. No one knows that that's what really actually contributed to them doing that because there's such issues surrounding getting uh, the pandas to actually mate. Uh, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of a cool story to bring up. And another thing that's kind of slid under the radar is we've actually been having some really uh, wild and severe weather. Apparently, at least 30 people were killed by tornadoes and severe we weather in the southeast USA. Uh, so most of it was around Easter uh, there was a little bit after Easter, there was some really terrible storms and tornadoes, but I didn't hear anything about this. This is typically something you would see in the news a lot uh, about tornadoes or ravaging damage, especially when 30 people have died. Um, but they, I haven't really heard much about it. But apparently, from what I've read, this is the nation's deadliest tornado outbreak in over six years since April of 2014 when 35 people were killed. Um, so 35 people were killed back in April of 2014 where just 30 people this time. So you would think that would be something that would kind of make the... Um, the news, but I haven't seen much about it. But it does say here uh, the uh, the death toll from the storm so far is staggering. Eleven people were killed in Mississippi. Nine were found dead in South Carolina. Six more dead in Georgia. Others died from falling trees or inside collapsed buildings in Arkansas and North Carolina. Um, so this is something that I believe that's kind of slid up under the radar a little bit you know there uh i do have a bunch of link i have a link uh, in the description on this story as well if you want to hear more about it i'm kind of a weather freak i like storm chasing as some would call it so this is what kind of brought my attention to that um <laughs> a couple guys in the chat yang yang got some yin yang <laughs> oh geez but anyway um Moving on from the, I was just saying that I really like weather space stories. Uh, there's like that on the Weather Channel. I always watch those severe weather stories where you can watch like uh, I shouldn't be alive because of the weather or whatever it is. Those are always kind of interesting to me. But if you're interested in hearing more about that, I do have that linked in the description as well. Um, moving on to our next story though is kind of an interesting one. Uh, apparently. A conspiracy theory that everybody's familiar with that 5G is causing people uh, burn uh, or is causing the coronavirus, which is just completely silly to me. Um, but people are actually starting to go out and burn down these 5G towers, um, primarily in the UK. Um, but apparently it says almost 80 mobile towers have reportedly been burned down in the UK due to false coronavirus conspiracy theories that blame the spread of COVID-19 on 5G. The arson attacks began in early April with 77 towers now damaged. Uh, Business Insider reported on Wednesday citing the uh, 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 excuse me, Business, Business Insider reported this on Wednesday. Um now, they did go on to say daily attacks are very low, but not stopped entirely. But as of April 21st, 40 employees of one of the UK carriers have also been attacked physically or, or, or verbally, according to the CEO of 
the company, uh, which is BT. Uh, now, I'm not familiar with BT. I guess that's the uh, UK's Verizon. Um, but it says we've had an had one open reach engineer stabbed and put in the hospital. So some of these people are going out, burning these up and then attacking the workers who are just simply doing their job. But one thing that I want to point out here is some people have speculated that the coronavirus theory about why they're uh, going after the 5G towers is not because they actually believe that the coronavirus is what's causing it. Um, some people are actually saying there's other reasons behind it. Not that the, the 5G towers are causing coronavirus, but that it's a form of protest against the technology route that the country has taken. Because a lot of people were at shambles saying that the country should be much further along with 5G, not only 5G, but with free internet. Um, internet should be something that every you could have anywhere in the world with satellites. You know, you could put a satellite up in the sky. Anybody who could connect to that satellite should be able to get free internet where they could sit down and they could watch the K2 podcast for free if they wanted to, if they don't have that internet access. Um, so some people were saying that, you know, this could be a form of protest and people in the media and the mainstream media is mislabeling it as, oh, they're coronavirus conspiracy theorists. But really, it could be something a little different where it's actually a form of protest. Now, there's no evidence to support that, but I found that to be an interesting take on the matters. Um, and just to address the whole coronavirus portion of it is that over 50 countries have confirmed cases of coronavirus. But from my understanding... There's only a select few countries that have actually these 5G towers. So there's many countries where the coronavirus cases are confirmed, but there are no 5G towers. So how could you say 5G is causing the coronavirus when there's no towers in the countries that have confirmed cases? So that's what makes leads me to believe that there's something else going on here that we're not necessarily knowing. You know, there, there could be more to the story. Uh, I'll leave that up for you to decide. That's something you'll have to research a little more into uh, for yourself. But I do have the link in the description on this story as well. Um, but moving on to a uh, final story, because this kind of relates to this isn't our final story. I have one more after this, but this kind of relates to podcasting. Um, somebody that I tend to check out is Joe Rogan. He has uh, signed a deal which uh, has been is estimated at over $100 million to go over to Spotify exclusively. Now, Joe Rogan's podcast um, was on YouTube, just like uh, the K2 podcast is here. Um, it's been on YouTube. You can access it on Spotify, but you can also get it on iTunes. You can also get it on Anchor FM. So you can get my podcast on all those different platforms. Well, Joe Rogan has decided for over $100 million that he's going to move his podcast over to Spotify exclusively. He's not going to be on YouTube anymore. He's not going to be on any other platform, only Spotify. Now, this is an interesting move for podcasters because one the you see like right now you're watching the live broadcast of my podcast well Joe Rogan does a similar thing when he has a guest on or he's speaking he has a video of his broadcast well these same videos are now going to be on Spotify this could be the beginning of some competition for YouTube not only is YouTube losing one of their the 
if not the biggest podcast platform or podcaster on their platform, they're losing that. But they're also could be facing some competition from Spotify in the long term, because if they're going to be adding these videos, what does that mean down the road? Is other podcasters going to join on board with Spotify and be leaving YouTube or is, um, Spotify going to come more like a hosting website like YouTube is and offer YouTube some competition? I don't really know. It's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen. I'm going to keep my eye on this situation. Um, A lot of people are saying that YouTube is very unfair in the sense of censorship. You know, there's certain things you can and cannot talk about. Like this video in particular, me talking about the 5G towers being connected to coronavirus could potentially get, get, you know, this show taken down. Now, of course, I'm speaking out against it and saying how I disagree with it, but it's one of those sensitive subjects that they immediately tend to just turn off right away. You know, they just take it down. They don't let you speak about it. You can't even bring up the words a lot of times. And this is some of the issues people have with YouTube. And you're starting to see that this big move from Joe Rogan, who spoke out in the past against YouTube saying, hey, they're too strict on all of their guidelines. Sometimes they take you down. They don't even tell you why. Some people with conservative viewpoints have been targeted um, and their videos have been removed with no explanation. So maybe this will hold YouTube a little bit more accountable. Maybe they'll wise up a little bit. It's hard to say what's actually going to come from this whole move. Um, but I'm interested to see how it's going to go. I really am. Um, so we'll see about that. I don't know what really more there is to say. You can research this story uh, a lot more, or if you're fans of Joe Rogan, I'm sure you've already heard about this news and kind of already know about it. Uh, but moving on to our last and final story of the night um, is next week's guest. We're going to have on a lady by the name of Krista Goodrich. Um, she's also known as the boss lady. Um, she's going to be on talking about discussing investments um, of not all, predominantly for women um, because there's women that I've spoken to that always say, hey, Kevin, you know, I want to invest, but I, I don't know if I can or I, they feel insecure or they're worried about how they can invest. Um, so she's going to be talking about that, but she's also going to be discussing her, her book, which is titled You Don't Need a Dick to Understand Money. And I want to address a couple things with her like um, – you know, how can, how does some of this relate to men as well as women? Uh, we're going to get into a bunch of different stuff as it comes to investing, money management, ways to conserve your money, especially in a hard time like this. I have uh, Krista's website linked down below as well. Uh, I believe it's uh, bossladyinvestor.com. She has another marketing website, which I'm going to get into a little bit more with her. Um, but, Nonetheless, um, we're finishing up here a few minutes early for tonight. I definitely appreciate everybody who is tuned in today. Um, You know, I wish I had a little bit more prepared for you guys, but I just kind of wanted to have a little fun today. Kind of take it easy. Just relax a little bit. 
um, as we prepare for next week's show with guest Krista Goodrich. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you found some of these stories interesting and some of the takes that we discussed. Um, maybe they were a little bit thought-provoking. Maybe they weren't. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I certainly appreciate everybody for tuning into the show. Um, it really means a lot. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel here. I would certainly appreciate that. It helps me grow. Please hit that thumbs up button. Uh, that would mean the world to me. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Today is Monday, May 25th. We're going to see you next Monday at 7 p.m. with guest Krista Goodrich. I think we're going to really have a great show for you next week. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day. Thank you, and have a good night.